This is episode 71 of Parenting with the Focused Mindset. As much as I want to stay in summer mode, the new school year is coming upon us. And today, you get to listen in on a conversation that I had with the president of the California Association of School Counselors, Josh Gadinez. He works in one of the largest high schools in California, and he has some wonderful insight on how the kids are acting when they come back to school, what we've learned in the past couple of years that's going to help us move into this next year with success and confidence. Get ready for an enlightening and interesting solution-focused conversation. Let's get started. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset, the focused mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. The Corona Norco Unified School District in California went back to school on a hybrid schedule last year, the week before spring break. My next guest, Josh Cadenas, is a counselor in that school district with high schoolers. I work with the elementary program, and together we're going to have a conversation about what we noticed last year and what we project that we'll see moving forward. I I'm doing this in order for you to feel empowered moving into next year. I want you to feel confident. I want you to be able to know that you can help your child walk into the next year with confidence. But first, if you're new to this program, don't forget to hit download, subscribe, or follow so you don't miss any of the solution-focused content that I put out just for you each and every week. Apple changed it up, and rather than having a subscribe situation, they have a follow situation. And you can do that by hitting the drop-down at the top of the right-hand corner, and then you'll see follow. It'll be in your library, and you'll have this show right there for you anytime. I'd love for you to hop over to my website, thefocusedmindset.com, to get more information. At some point in this program, you might think, I want to learn more. I want to get more. That's where you go, thefocusedmindset.com. I'm also going to have a link in the notes that are right below the podcast. I always leave all kinds of helpful links. You'll see a link to my course, Conversations That Empower. That course is designed for you to be able to learn solution-focused communication skills that you can use in almost every conversation you have. Have you ever walked away from a conversation and felt like you didn't even know if you made an impact? You're not even sure if you responded correctly. This happens so often when we meet with teachers and educators, and that's when it's the most important that we're on point with our communication. Hop over and check out my course, Conversations That Empower, and I am confident that that course will empower you. 
When you listen to a podcast like this, you feel like you can conquer the world. And we want our kids to feel that same way. And sometimes I found that when I sit down to kind of instill this into my child, it doesn't translate as well as I actually thought. And that's why I'm so thankful to be partnered up with the Big Life Journal. These products give me the exact words that I need to say in a fun, effective way to be able to help my child learn resilience and be able to carry on through the many challenges that they'll face in life. You can find those products on my website on the Big Life Journal tab, or I'll leave a link for you in the notes below. I hope that you can check them out. And when you check them out using my affiliate code, you're supporting the focused mindset. So I thank you in advance. If nothing else, just browse and check it out and see what they have available. You will be pretty blown away. And many of you are part of the focused mindset community. And I already told you a little bit about this great conversation that I had with the president of the California Association for School Counselors. I think it's important for us to hear from this perspective and let's listen in on what Josh Godinez has to say. I am so thankful that you could come on our show today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I look forward to this engaging conversation for all the educators and parents out there. Yeah, you know, it has been quite a year and, uh, and I, I just kind of wonder what you're seeing over there at Centennial with the high schoolers. What are you seeing the new things that are popping up now that we're kind of moving into this new place with moving out of COVID? You know, it's been interesting because when we got back, we, we had that honeymoon phase, you know, and I think a lot of schools, as you get back, you experience that. You've got the kids that are a little bit apprehensive to come back because they've been in isolation for so long. And then you have those that are leaping out of the car because they are so excited to socialize with friends and get back to normal. Um, after that, you know, a couple of weeks into it, you know, what we did see is a little bit of the residual effects. You know, kids started to process that trauma and process that anxiety. And I had a number of kids cycle through my office and they were like, I don't know why I'm feeling down, but I'm just kind of feeling down. And so we would, we would explore it, right? We would sit there and go through um, what it was. And, and really, it was just processing all that they had been through in the last year and a half and reacclimating because I think what some of them did was fantasize what school was. They had missed it so much but then getting back into the realities of the responsibilities of it, and maybe it wasn't everything that they uh, had missed because they had taken what reality was and sensationalized it a little bit more. Um, and so we did, you know, we had to work through that. And then here we are going on summer break. So we give them a few weeks back as a taste, and then here we go on summer break. Did but, you have the same thing that I did where kids were like, I went around, and I was saying, hey, are you excited? And they said, no, I just got here. I'm not actually that excited. Did you have any of those responses? Yeah, absolutely. The mixed feelings like, wait a minute, should I be excited to be back? But I'm going to be right back home again. Is this a dream? What's going on right now? Um, you know, and it, it was, I think, good for reigniting that passion for school for those that were a little more disengaged. We did see a number of students bring their grades up 
through having the interaction. And I think that's one thing that COVID taught us was that there is no substitute for human to human connection. Because that's one thing we always toyed with in education was, are we eventually going to go to all online learning? Well, what did COVID teach us? Online learning works for a small population of the kids, but the vast majority of the kids need that human-to-human -human connection and need the socialization and need the extracurricular activities. And I think after going through that part of the experience, we know now the value and the importance of being together. Yes, I absolutely agree. And I have has seen so much of the exact same things across the board. I know for the little ones, uh, it's it, it mirrors what you said. It was almost like eerie that first day because people didn't really know how to act and they were kind of like walking through the motions and then I would stop some kids and you could see that they had this fear in their eyes and other ones were just like, you know, and then the reality that it needed to look different. And then we slowly started getting into the thing, uh, the swing of things, just like you guys did. And um, on the high school level, and I'll tell you, for those that don't know, uh, every single area is different. I mean, there's some areas even right around the corner from us that stayed virtual till the end of this year. I know many of you that are listening are in places that your schools never shut down. Although we're all in a different space, um, just for context, we came back just before our spring break. So it just happened to be what our school district chose to do. And, uh, you know, there was obviously some people that agreed with that, some people that didn't agree with that. But nonetheless, as school counselors, we plugged forward. And, um, and that's why I was interested in talking about what we saw, because some people aren't going to see this until the beginning of next year. Many people will have these same experiences. And my hope is that the experiences that we share can help parents and help people prepare their children for what they're walking into and help them be calm and help them be able to move forward knowing that it's going to be okay. Right. Um, and I think that's super important to point out because for those of you that haven't gone back yet, you're going to see a mix of reactions. Some will be apprehensive like we experienced. Some will be super excited because they fantasized about going back and what that's going to look like. But then once that newness wears off, that's when the residual effects lay in. And that is really what you want to pay attention to when you are seeing these signs, you know, maybe a little bit of withdrawal, or maybe they're not as happy as they were. Make sure that you're paying attention to that and asking the questions. You don't always have to have the answers, but you have to validate that the students are feeling what they're feeling. Yeah. And so that way they are able to process it within themselves. And always, you've got your school counselors there to help you through that. And really, I mean, how many did you see at your school? I, like oh, I said, it was like an open door, you know, come in, come in. And it just takes that little bit of validation and affirmation. And really, these kids are so resilient, so resilient. You know, the resilience is there, but you're right. We need to be able to have an attitude that helps them towards that resilience. You know, we need to be able to be the one that is very uh, watching their, so their cues, watching how they act, watch their body language. And the parents and the educators come together 
to be able to say that we want to support these guys through this transition. And even though we've been back to school, our transition is not over. Um, I honestly believe, and I know that what you've probably seen is similar to mine, is we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg of kids feeling comfortable enough to share some of the things that stressed them out during that time, during, during drastic change. Now we know that even if a child changes from a awful situation to a good situation, change in general is, uh, is difficult. And, and so when you take a change that was completely unexpected by any of us, uh, I know that I'm gearing up for helping children continue to transition and, and, uh, I don't know, just be healthy and happy next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. You yeah. know, and I think too, the, the other thing to point out is we oftentimes, and it's human nature, we see the cup half empty, you know, and so we hear a lot and the media feeds a lot of learning loss. And, you know, what have we lost? What have we lost? What have we lost? We hear that over and over again. But really when I'm sitting with parents and talking to parents, you know, I remind them, we, we focus a lot on, you know, the negative, but what about if we turned it around and focused on what did we gain? You know, what technology do we use now and what proficiencies do we have as students and as educators and as parents that we didn't have before? How is education going to benefit very tragic experience? I will never discount that. But what can we take from it and be better for it? Yeah. And really, if we focus on that, there's so much to talk about. So much. You know, I, endless, I think about even parent conferences. How many parent conferences now are going to be held over Zoom and ways that make it convenient for parents and teachers and administrators and counselors to connect yes. so that they don't have to miss work, so that we are able to talk more so that we have the entire village assembled to support the child. Yeah, it is beautiful. And it is also that people stretched themselves. And they, they, uh, every single family member that I come in contact were stretching themselves in different type of ways. And we know that through those things, we get refined. And we come out the other side stronger. And we come out the other side a more well-rounded individual. And that goes for our kids too. They, they have skills that they learned that they never knew they can do. And it's time to celebrate that. You know, Absolutely. it's time to say, you know what? Uh, why did you learn from this? You're amazing. You know, I went into classrooms and that's what I told them. I said, you guys are the experts in change. And I'm in this classroom because I want to hear about the things you guys have learned this year because of all the change you've been through. And you see them sometimes kind of go, oh yeah, you know, we, we are the experts, you know? And, but the truth of the matter is they have, they've become an expert in resilience and they need to roll, they need, we need to help them lean on that to be able to continue to be resilient kids and individuals in their world, you know? Well, and I think too, I mean, taking it to a solution focused approach, you know, we have the miracle question. So, you know, asking kids when we start next school year, you wake up for that first day of school. What does that look like? And yes. how do you get started on the right foot? Right. And just a simple question of allowing their mind to dream and their mind to think about it puts everything in a whole new perspective, doesn't it? Absolutely. 
It really does. And I am also so proud of our, our families. I don't know about you, but sometimes I meet with them and I just say, gosh, I'm so proud of so many people that I knew beforehand. And then I see them afterwards and I see all that they've been through and how, how they fought through challenges. Do you have anybody that you've worked with that just stand out to you that, uh, that you say, wow, they really came through? Oh yeah. So many families, you know, and, and not only the families that I've grown closer to because of the experience, but even the ones that I've grown closer to, unfortunately, who did experience loss mm -hmm. through COVID, yeah. um, being able to support them. And I found, and I'm sure you did too, that we weren't just counselors to the students for some of these families. We were counselors for the families. You know, I would sit on the phone with the mom and there's one that I can think of right off the top of my head. You know, when I called after we got back from break and I said, hey, how, how is everything? Because I had noticed that the student hadn't been to school. And she said, you know, we made the, uh, the trip to grandma's house and we had been so careful, so careful. And what had happened was grandma had gotten COVID, you know, from that quick trip and they were trying to be careful even there just for a little bit, but the family all came over and, you know, grandma unfortunately didn't make it out of COVID once she was um, diagnosed COVID positive. And so the, the trauma and the grief, you know, helping our families through this. I mean, and, and some families are forever changed because yeah. of this experience. And, and I think that's something you know, that we need to acknowledge going into next year, too, as life looks a little bit more normal, keeping in mind all of the families that are moving forward without people that were with us before COVID hit. That's right. There's the group of people that lost individuals, and then there's the group of people that uh, watched their family member be very, very sick and come out of it. And um, every one of these people are going to need a little bit of love and care. They're going to need a tender touch and some, and they're going to need to know that we're there for them. And when they are ready to say, Oh, I need to talk about this. That's when we'll be there to listen because, yeah. you know, we never want to force anyone to talk about something they're not ready for, but you know what? We can always share a smile. We can always be there and just be present. And that's, that's, That's the most important thing for families to understand. And, and even, you know, our colleagues in the field, I'm, one thing that I think that we know as counselors, but you don't know unless you've gone through it, is that you don't have to always have the answer. You really can just listen. Sometimes people just need to say it. Yeah. And just being there makes all the difference. It really does. And I know that... Um, that like you said, they're resilient, but I always try and shy away from the flippant, oh, they're resilient, they'll get through it and balance that with, you know, that, okay, let's really watch. And that, that just really comes from close observation and just being aware. You know, I have parents, um, many parents at my school site, like you have that have dealt with loss. And many times the first thought that they think of is to not talk about it. 
parents don't want to bring it up because their kids seem so happy and then they don't want to bring up something sad. And so they just kind of walk along pretending like it never happened. And that's one thing that I feel like we're going to have the opportunity to do is have more groups for kids to get together and say, yeah, this is what I share experience. This is what I shared uh, in that. This is how I can share and contribute to this conversation and allow people to communicate and allow them to care for one another in a brand new type of way. Yeah, totally agree with all of that. You know, and I think that as we move forward, really what are those groups going to look like, right? And I know that one thing that we're exploring is making sure that we do a needs assessment at the beginning of the year, because ultimately who are we here for? We're here for our students and we're here for our families and we're here for our community. So it's not what, I think that they need here at Centennial. It's what they tell us that they need. So we're gonna go ahead and push out a needs assessment to our students. We're gonna push out a needs assessment to our parents. And we're gonna push out a needs assessment to our staff. Yes. Because one thing that we know is, you know, our staff equally leans on us as their um, sounding board sometimes in order to get through things. And then once we get all of those results, those are going to be our guiding documents to go ahead and assemble programs that meet the needs of our community. You know, it's, I think that a lot of people um, don't quite realize how much the job of counseling is. We just act on our feet. You know, we just, we see what we need to do and we move forward and do it. And in that way, it is a lot like parenting because you never know what's going to be going to go and then you pivot. And this is the ultimate pivot, you know, and we're just saying, you know, let's do this together. Now we're in this, let's find our joy, but also find our compassion and just plug forward. Right. And, you know, really, I think that's one thing that we've learned in education, because coming into education, you know, we're always taught plan, plan, plan. Well, what did we learn in the last year and a half? We can't always plan for everything. And sometimes we just need to be adaptable. And you yes. know what? We're going to be OK on the other end. And right. sometimes some of our most creative ideas comes out of that, you know, land on your feet and just go with it. Like, hey, maybe we need this. Is, this is something that's really great. Right. You yep. know, didn't you actually accept this position of being the president of the California Association of School Counselors during this whole time of COVID? I did. So um, it was interesting that my journey landed uh, right at the, um, well, we were, we were a few months into COVID, you know, when uh, we made the transition into it. And, and it was the same thing. Okay, well, what do we need? What do we need across the state? And one thing that we realized, and, and this is something that has been a journey for school counselors, is that, you know, people understand that we work with academics at the high school. People understand that K-8, you know, deals a little more on the social emotional end. But what people really don't understand is how we are trained to be first line defense for mental wellness. You know, and that's one thing that I have been working for the last year to help Sacramento understand, to help, you know, people that make decisions understand is, and the best way that I can put it for you is your school counselor is um, like ointment. I know that sounds weird, but let me give you some context. To Let's that. roll with this analogy. Yes, yes. So um, if you get a cut, right, you need to heal that cut. And so what you do is you go to the store and you go down aisle three, you pick up the ointment, you put the ointment on, and in, you know, one to three days, maybe that cut's healed. 
But what if that cut doesn't heal within one to three days? Well, then that's when you need to go to the doctor. That's when you need to go to the pharmacist and you need to get more intensive therapy, which is usually like an antibiotic or something, in order to heal that cut. And that long-term um, healing is something that's offered by our clinical partners out in the community, the community-based mental health people. But that short-term ointment is what your school counselors offer because we're your school-based mental health professionals. So what we do is we offer support for all students in short-term therapeutic models that are goal-oriented. And what we find is you know, that with uh, 95 to 99% of our school populations, it works just fine. And that one to 5% that might need a little bit more, doesn't mean we just pass them off and we don't support them. We continue to support our students and families, but we bring in our bonus partners, those specialists that might be, you know, through their insurance or might be a community-based organization that has clinical partners to make sure that our students and families are taken care of. Because what's one thing that we know? That our students and families trust the schools and trust that we have their um, children's best interest at heart. And so really that is why we've seen the evolution of counseling over the last two decades include both social emotional learning and a lot more focus on short-term therapeutic models in order to make sure that we're able to support the whole child because before you can worry about academic achievement, you've got to make sure that they are happy, safe, and healthy. And really, um, COVID exposed that. COVID brought that to the forefront because what did we find that our students and families needed? They needed that mental health support, reassurance, that trusted individual to help them understand that we will be okay on the other end of this and whatever that looks like is going to be fine and we'll get through it together. And who did everybody turn to for that answer? The school counselor. Absolutely. And that's a really good way of putting it, even though I will never look at ointment the same way again. <laughs> but I completely understand where you're coming from because, you know, you can speak to those parents that um, really believe based on the knowledge that they've had through the years from maybe their parents before them, that if their child is referred to the school counselor, that we are assuming that something is quote unquote wrong with them. And, um, and, and some, and, and rather than that, what you're saying is we're your advocate. We are your, we're right there beside you. We're wanting what you want for your child, right? What would you say to that parent that kind of does struggle with reaching out? Um, reach out. (laughs) (laughs) What you're saying is absolutely right. That we are your trusted partner on the campus. And, And that is something that every school counselor that I've ever worked with takes to heart. We want to be your child's biggest advocate. We want to know their stories. We want to make sure that we are, um, happily, helpfully, engaging them with academics, with making sure they're in school, and making sure we're making positive choices. And we know kids are human and kids are kids. So everybody is going to hit a few bumps in the road. But who is there to help them learn positive coping skills, learn prioritization strategies, um, learn why it's important to be in school? 
that's the school counselor. You know, in the, the beauty of going through, I mean, I don't want to say beauty, but the one thing is now that people understand what we do, and we're talking the modern day school counselor because a lot of what people have tied to when we've talked to them is their own experience, right? Because what do you have to draw on? Your experience. Well, if you went to school 30 years ago, as some of us did, not to date myself, um, but if you did, the profession wasn't there yet. And, and we had um, guidance counselors at that point that were very well-intentioned and good at what they did to help guide us towards careers and focus on our academics. But the idea of a middle school counselor and an elementary school counselor, those were rare and almost unheard of at that point because we hadn't gone through the evolution to get us to be the modern day school counselor that takes care of the whole child. That proactively and intentionally goes in to teach those coping skills in those younger years to make sure that by the time they get to high school, we're not reactive. And so one thing that came out of the pandemic was we realized that, in, in, here's another analogy, because I, I think it's always easy to relate to analogies. We know that California has wildfires, and you can have a truck that's going to go to that wildfire, and that truck has every piece of equipment it needs. But if there is an inferno and you send one truck, really how much is that truck going to do? They have all of the resources, they can handle it, but one truck isn't going to put out an inferno. So that's what we're seeing in education right now is because people are realizing how well equipped the school counselor is they're saying we need 10, we need 20, we need 30. We have got to address the needs of our students and you are well equipped as an engine. So we need lots and lots of you to help not only put this out, but then restore what was and make it even better for the yeah. future. And you know, um, it, that you made such a great point that the, the counselor of 30 years ago, tw even 20 years ago, is a different counselor that's walking and sitting in front of your child today. And I really do not believe that many parents understand, well, many people don't understand the role. So I appreciate the way that you're approaching the, the role of the school counselor. Because um, yes, you know, I made, I'm a solution focused specialist and had the passion to start a podcast. But when, it, when I come into work every day, I look forward to touching lives of kids. And yes, teachers do that too, but they also have the pressure of, um, you know, we need to teach this math and this English and this science. When we come to school every day, we are your child's biggest advocate from the moment we get there to the moment we leave. And it's, it doesn't matter whether it's kindergarten all the way till they graduate. Our goal is to get them to that graduation point and help them be college and career ready. And, um, and I love the way that you put that because when I'm able to sit in front of a parent and I'm able to, uh, or get an email from a parent that was able to, conquer something like anxiety, well, guess what? When they were able to help their child with anxiety, they may have helped their kid with the exact thing they need to graduate in that moment. So it's, it's not a linear line. The things that we do are touching your child now, and it might come out to help them in their ninth, 10th, 
11th grade year when they're choosing to go to college or not and having anxiety about it. I remember that in a podcast that you were in recently, you spoke about how um, there was a moment in your elementary years that you realized maybe I want to be an educator and it stayed with you. Do you remember telling that story? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, and, and it's so true because the power, and, and this is something that was instilled in me very young, was the harder you work now, the more opportunity opens later in life. And I thought, wow, and I've held that. I've held that forever. And I've had so many powerful educators along my journey that how could I not? Knowing what educators did for me to not give back to the next generation so that when my time here is done, I feel like I made just a little bit of difference. Um, it, it wasn't even a question for me in yeah. the end. And, and I think that what you point out is absolutely what we want parents to know is that we are your partners in this, you know, and I, I've even told, I had a kid in the office last week where I'm like, I'm like your crazy uncle. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to call you in and I'm going to call you out on things. And, you know, I'm going to celebrate the good times and we're going to examine, you know, the times we could have made a better choice. So I, I'm that crazy uncle that's going with you on this journey for the next four years and even beyond, you know, just to make sure life is good. And, you know, they appreciate that. And, and that's the one thing is that understand that that's who we are. We are your partners in this journey. And it is the greatest honor ever to travel this pathway with your children. You know, you, uh, I just spoke to you off the air about a lunch that we had before, right before COVID, our school district had a special thing. We were learning about hatching results. And then we all got together with the California Association of School Counselor members and had lunch. And I remember not even knowing you at that time and hearing the passion in your voice about what you do. And I just want to say that I thank you for that because as as a fellow counselor, even just at that table, I didn't I, you didn't even know at that point that you would ever be able to um, accept a position like being the president. You were just saying, look, we need to help out with having more mental health help in our schools and we need to do it in May for mental health awareness. And you were just kind of talking about it. And um, it really touched me. And I really wanted to publicly say thank you for that passion that you do bring to the lives of families, really. It's not even just about our counseling field. It's about the fact that you bring that to the lives of so many kids. So I appreciate that very much. And I wonder, um, I wonder about that is how did you go from doing what you were doing to going to Sacramento and speaking on behalf of of, you know, advocating for mental health and all of that. I'm, I'm intrigued. How did this all happen? Well, it, it was really the perfect storm for all of that because with COVID and the introduction of um, platforms like Zoom and Teams, no longer do we have to travel in order to make it to hearings in Sacramento. And student mental health was pushed to the forefront of the educational conversation because of everything that we've been through, not only with COVID, but also with the social unrest, you know, that our country's been going through and, you know, all of the conversations around that too. And so um, to be able to pop into a committee hearing 
and testify before the committee and then turn around and help a ninth grader pick between visual arts and Spanish all within an hour. That's what really has increased the, the effectiveness of making sure that we're advocating. Because at the end of the day, for me, I love what we do. I believe in what we do, but it's not about us. It's about the kids. And knowing what the school counselor is able to do for students in a school to support not only the student, but the families, of course, I'm going to take every chance I get to go to every mountaintop I can get on top of and sing the praises. Because at the end of the day, if I know that kids across California are taken care of and across the country, I mean, we're having these conversations nationally too, then that's what it's all about. Because that's what creates a better generation, you know, and, and that's what we want, right? I mean, we, we want a better generation than we were, and we want them to want a better generation than they are. And, yes. and hopefully, you know, we just continue all collectively to do our parts to make sure that happens. Yeah, yeah. And we have National Schools Conference coming up uh, that just happened in July. For you guys that are listening, that joined us there, thank you. And that is part of what we can do. We can stand in the gap. You know, whether we're a parent standing in the gap for our child and reaching out to our advocates, being our school counselor, whether we're a counselor that's standing in the gap, we can always stand in the gap. And it looks like to me that you saw that gap and you just were the one that chose to say, you know what, I'm going to speak up. And then we had our mental health awareness week, which our school was rocking all of the cool stuff that we did. Um, tell us, I mean, even though it's past, tell us a little bit about that. It was super duper exciting. Yeah. So California student mental health awareness was an idea that was birthed a couple of years ago between the California Association of School Counselors and the ACLU at the time. Because one thing that we realized as partners was that may we pay attention to students. And what do we know? We, we hear a lot about suicidal ideation, depression, anxiety. So we thought, we really need to focus in on this. And we really need to create conversations for educators because when we go through, and, and I was a teacher before for a decade, um, and when we go through, you know, teacher ed school, we don't have a lot of um, practicum in mental health. Our practicum is instructional based. So that came once I started to get the counseling credential. But does social emotional learning happen in the classroom? Absolutely. You know, are there social emotional moments, teachable moments? Absolutely. And when we see mental health, the mental health and social emotional learning, you know, are married. Um, we need to make sure that we capitalize on that and we um, address it appropriately. Yeah. And so from that, we went to Sacramento and said, hey, how about we take a week every year before the school year gets out. We know May is a little late, but you know that is Mental Health Awareness Month and call it out for students so that we focus for educators on conversations to put tools in their toolbox for school counselors to help drive the best practices within our profession for parents so that parents have a platform to come and engage with other parents and educational professionals so that we can all dive into this conversation together, and students have activities for students so that we can teach some of those positive coping skills and work on dialogue so that students know it's okay to talk about mental health. 
And really, that's what gave birth to the California Student Mental Health Week, which started last year, right in the middle of COVID. Um, and this year, we had our second annual Student California Mental Health Week, and it exploded. You know, the first one was a little introduction across the state. The second one, everybody said yes. And we saw districts and schools all up and down the state participating, the attendance to some of our webinars. And if you uh, miss the webinar, you can always go to our website, COVID19k12counseling.org. And if you look under the mental health tab at the bottom, you'll see a student MH for mental health week uh, tab. You can click on that, scroll all the way to the bottom, and you can actually watch some of these webinars that we hosted during that week. And there's one I want to call out in particular is the one that was for parents because it was so engaging um, for parents to be able to understand how do you deal with some of this trauma at home um, when you see things that are manifesting? What do those flags look like? Um, so that was uh, one that we had brought in this year specifically for parents, and it was well-received, attended by quite a few parents out there all across the state of California. So it will be something that will be a staple moving forward, because again, it's all about the kids. So second week of May, every year from this point out, look for California Student Mental Health Week. Well, since you guys um, have it there available, I will put a link in the website um, for any of you guys know that I always put helpful links in, in uh, on my website and also on the show notes. So if you scroll down um, just below wherever you're listening, then you can click on the link and go ahead and listen to that. Um, there are so many resources. I'm not going to sit back and think it's all going to take care of itself, but I'm going to be proactive. And taking little steps like you know, listening to a webinar, you know, on repeat, and then finding the next information that you might need to find out. And that will lead you to the next thing. That's how we grow. And I hope through conversations like that, we all collectively like this, conversations like this, that we all collectively begin to uh, move to that next stage of our development where we're supposed to be in life that'll just help us elevate. And I think that that's what you're helping us do. So thank you for that, for sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah. You know, I hope I'm going to put a link to the website, but also I think that the message that we're sending out to people today is reach out and look for the support around you and then utilize it. Don't be nervous. Don't be worried about the outcome. Don't be concerned about maybe a preconceived notion. If your child needs to talk to somebody about what they're going through, their school counselor's there for them. And if it's not their school counselor, look for somebody else they can trust because we're all in this together. Great message to leave it. So over at Centennial, I'm sure that you and I will see each other because we are not that far away from each other. But for now... We got to say goodbye. <laughs> oh, I know. That's always the hardest part. So much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but anyone that wants to can always reach out and ask me questions and I can get them over to you about the association, about any way that they can get involved. Any counselors that are listening or teachers, if you want to get involved, um, just reach out to me at Share the Focused Mindset and I'll get you involved. So thank you so much again, Josh, for joining us. Thank you. Wishing you all the best. If you'd like to watch this episode, 
you can hop on over to my YouTube, Share the Focused Mindset. That's share like my name, C-H-E-R, the Focused Mindset. In a couple days, I'm going to post that full entire episode. And I also have a few podcast clips from myself, Linda Metcalf, and lots of other stuff you can check out. So you can head over there. And remember, all of the links that you need are in the show notes today. And I want to read a great review that came in. I'm so thankful for those of you that leave a written review on Apple. This one comes from You, Me, Empathy. And he says, thoughtful and meaningful. Cher brings a thoughtful and meaningful perspective on mindset. Wonderful conversation. A happy new subscriber. Thank you so much. I hope all of you move into this next part of your summer and just have a blast. I know I will. And love on your kids and smile. That's what it's all about. And until next time, keep in touch and take care.